to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And I am so thrilled to be joined today by the coach whisperer <laughs> from, the, <laughs> from the western part of the United States. I have Bobby Kaler back in the house. Bobby, welcome. Hey, Scott. It's great to be back. Yes, it's been a little while. I think we did one of these, I don't know, late, late spring last year. Um, so we're, we're happy to have you back because... I had I had to take notice. You've been writing an awful lot during this pandemic, haven't you? <laughs> I have been. Well, you know, writing is writing's a passion of mine. So it's this has been a great opportunity to kind of get back to that a little bit. Well, we're going to get into that in a second. But as you know, this program is called oh, Ales yeah. Aslan, so we need to start with the <laughs> ale before we get too far. So, what do you have that's frosty and refreshing in front of you today? Well, Scott, as you know, I am I'm a wine girl. Yes. So. Uh, my husband, though, he, he volunteers to help out with this project. So <laughs> he was very excited. He found it's a Starship IPA. All right. Yeah, it's from the brewery is New Belgium. It's here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. And he, he, he made some notes. He said it's an offshoot of the very popular Voodoo Ranger. And he said it starts bold and bitter, but it finishes sweet. Ooh, that does sound yeah. delicious. All right. He loved it. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad he enjoyed that. I'm going to crack something local uh, to my region. I'm up in the New England area, as everyone might know by now. Uh, I have a Titletown Hazy Boston IPA. Of course, Titletown being a reference to, I don't know what we're up to, 12 or 13 know. championships in the last, <laughs> I don't know, 20 years. We've got, you know, the Patriots... Celtics 1-1, Boston Bruins 1-1, I think the Sox have three. So, Titletown IPA, it's got the 617 area code on it uh, for Boston. So, we're going to crack that. It's, it's a little um, hoppy, I bet, and it's 6.17% alcohol by volume. Ooh. So, if I, if I nod off in the middle, you just carry it forward for us. I'm just, uh, I'm going to, I might have a problem in the middle of this one. This is a lot. <laughs> so, wow. all right. Let's try that. It looks good. Mm. Oh, it's really good. It's not hoppy at all. It's not bad. Not bad. Really? Yeah, I was I was expecting a little uh a little too hoppy. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that, but it's very very tasty. Very There you very go. Tasty. Well, good. So, yeah, as I as I mentioned, you know, you've been writing a lot and your blogs are always so fun because they can be sort of whimsical like your your blog about the cross country skiing and sort of the things we can learn <laughs> from cross-country skiing. And so I wanted to kind of get into that, but then you, you, you came out with another one about virtual coaching, which I know is on everybody's mind, right? We're all struggling in this pandemic period to, to do the things that, you know, we used to do well and maybe try some things that, that we haven't before. And so I want to get into that virtual one as well. And then, and then your last one, which just came out recently was, you know, maybe not letting technology be a crutch or an excuse, uh, to, to not coach. Uh, and I want to make sure we kind of close with that one, but I think three great topics all around coaching and all from uh, someone that's just an absolute expert on this. So let's get started. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, I know you're an avid cross country skier. It's one of your, your passions in life, but what, uh, you know, just for the folks that haven't read it yet and we'll make sure they get a link to it. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about what cross country skiing does to remind us of, of how we can coach better. Okay. Well, yes, I am an avid cross-country skier. Some might say rabid, but, you know, <laughs> I'll go with avid. <laughs> and yeah. this year, Scott, you know, because we moved up here, so we're closer to the Nordic skiing, 
I got out 96 times to cross country ski this year. So, oh, I mean, that's right. I know. That is rabid. It, it is rabid. It is rabid. <laughs> and, and I was disappointed that it wasn't even more. But so what happened? I was out for a ski and I was on this course. It, it, it's a run and it's a black diamond. And it was, it's called roller coasters. So that kind of gives you an idea of what it might be like. Yeah. And uh, I just kept falling. I was coming down this one hill and at the bottom of this hill and it's steep. You have to make, it's not a curve. It is a left turn. Yeah. And I kept falling and I was getting frustrated. And my husband, he's a fabulous skier. He said, you know, if you're not falling, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. You know, so it kind of made me think about, okay, so, so that's good. And then I started paying attention to how he would encourage me. So there's two things that he does as he encourages me to tackle these hills. Um, and one is to focus on the positive you know, um, focus on what the person's doing right. And I, and I really think about how this applies in coaching and it's not enough to say, Hey, great job. What we really want to do is, is focus on the effort that they're putting into it. Yeah. Which is, which is a little bit different. It really is. Yeah. That that's, that's great. I mean, a great piece of advice. And, and what is, I mean, he, he obviously coaches you in that and he's got background in coaching as well. Is that, is that a, a statement, a true statement? It is a true statement. Yep. He is a certified coach as well. Excellent. Excellent. Sorry, I took a sip after I asked my question. I tried to sneak <laughs> that in. And I realized that I, <laughs> there was okay. a small pregnant pause after I apologize. I got yelled at that by Mr. Lampson last week. Oh, he, um, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. It's like, don't ask a question and then take a drink. I mean, come on. I said, well, what am I supposed to drink? I'm talking the whole time. For God's sake. That's right. You have to stay <laughs> hydrated, Scott. You have to stay hydrated. It's very warm here today. I have to. I have to. Good. Okay. So focus on the positive. Good. And, and uh, what's another good lesson out of skiing translated into coaching? It's really to help them see their progress. Yeah. Right. So what my husband does for me is when, when I, because in, in cross country skiing, you have to ski up the hill and you're also skiing down the hills because there's no chairlifts. So if I'm tackling a new hill in either direction, when we get to the top or we get to the bottom, whichever the case might be, he'll say, wait a minute, stop and look at what you just achieved. Yeah. And, and it's really powerful. And it's funny because we went for a hike the other day over there it, it, where, where the Nordic skiing is. And I walked up some of these hills and I thought, I cannot believe that I tackled this. But by yeah. pausing to reflect on what you have tackled, it immediately gives you confidence and maybe even excitement about tackling the next hill. And I think in coaching, that is really important, especially right now when people are, you know, maybe a little uncertain. So, so, so the progress and the positive, I, I think those are really two big, two big things that we can do as a coach. And I remember when I watched you deliver a program one time, you talked about the, the logical steps of the reps development and that there were inevitably going to be these backslides and, and yes, there were going to be these, these problem areas, but really focusing on, you know, not that negative thing. Those are expected. You're, I mean, like you said, you're You're going to fall fall. when you're learning something new. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but inevitably you're going to see more successes and more successes strung together. And ultimately if you see that trend line moving in the right direction, that's the good thing, right? That's what you want. That's the good thing. Celebrate that. Right. Yeah. And Scott, I'm really glad you brought that up because those valleys, you know, we kind of call them the valleys. Those are, they're natural Mm. in, the other thing that, that he'll do for me out there is he'll say, yeah, you're falling, but you're attempting a hill that a year ago you would never have even tried. And that's, yes. 
that's what's good too. You know, it, it keeps you motivated. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I mean, that is, yeah, it's absolutely critical. And, and, you know, people might use different ways to sort of manage and, and, um, and, and keep track of coaching individual reps, but whatever you use, you know, keeping good track and measuring the success and then really yeah. celebrating that. I think that's important. And, um, and that could be a spreadsheet that could be a folder that could be, you know, uh, we, we've got the catalyst dashboard software that's available that all those different ways. It's all just a way to make sure that you as the leader are, you know, remembering what, where we started and where we're headed so that you can indeed celebrate um, the successes that you're having. So I think that great. I love, I love the article. I think we'll, we'll point people there. It's a great little read. Um, love that where most of our reads are, you know, that five to seven minute, you don't have to spend an afternoon with us here. We're just saying, check this stuff out. It's super helpful. Um, let's move on. Let's move over to, you know, something on everybody's mind. I mean, I'm, I'm the marketing guy here. And so I'm constantly aware of what people are searching and this, this idea of virtual sales coaching, uh, virtual selling is such a, yeah. a challenge right now. Those people that are out there in the world that have, you know, been used to glad handing and, you know, walking into hospitals and visiting their doctors or, you know, selling their wares face to face, they've all had to change. And it's no different for the, the leaders of those groups. And so this, this article you wrote on the three critical steps of virtual sales coaching, I'd love to have you kind of walk us through and take us through what those three steps are. Absolutely. Um, and before diving into it, Scott, I think something that's really important is to remember this is still coaching, yes. right? Yeah. Just because it's virtual, it's still coaching. And a quick story, I remember years ago, I'd love to play tennis as well. And I'd hired a coach and he was a crusty uh, kind of persnickety older gentleman, but he was fabulous. And, and it, it got cold outside. So we had to go inside and play, you know, and it was my first time playing on an indoor court. Hmm. And it was like, I lost all sense of what I was doing. And so he, <laughs> st he stopped me and he came trotting over to me and he's like, well, I can't tell you exactly what he said because it was pretty colorful. But he's like, <laughs> basically, it was like, what, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm really in my head about this. And he pointed to the tennis racket in my hand and he, and he said, is that still a tennis racket? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, is that a tennis ball in your other hand? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that thing at the middle of the court, is that a net? And I said, yes. And he goes, good. So we're still talking about tennis. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah. We're still talking about coaching. Yeah. You know, the fundamentals are the same. There are some different nuances. So some of this stuff in the article, you know, we talked about some critical steps. And the first one, it's the same fundamental. You have to have trust with the person that you're coaching. If right. they don't trust us, they're never going to be vulnerable. And they're never going to share, you know, their true perspective on where they think that their improvement areas lie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I know you, you go into it. And of course, in, in all the programs that we teach and stuff, you, you, you go into how to build that trust out, but it's really at its, at its infancy, at its core is about being other centered with, with your reps as it, as we talk about, you know, with our clients, right. Putting them first. Right. And if they're, if we're for them, they will, uh, they will follow us. Right. That's right. It, yeah. It's, it's the, I don't know if it's a magic bullet, but it, but it gets pretty close to being one. It does. Just making sure it's all about them. Perfect. Perfect. So, so building trust is the first key. What's, what's, uh, what's another critical? 
It's the same thing that we that we teach in, in the program, but we have to have a way to diagnose a sales performance. Right. Right. I mean, and we've talked, I know that there's been a lot of podcast episodes on, you know, how do you assess, you know, and, and Tom and Mark, we all, we all use that golf analogy, but what are we assessing? So we have to know that. But the big question right now, Scott, I think on everyone's mind, at least I've been getting so many calls and emails about this is, well, yeah, but I'm not in the field anymore. So how can I do it? And, and the good news is in some ways, this is, it's a little bit easier when, when we're doing it virtually. So I like to think about it as having three basic routes you can take. The first, you know, obviously there's live yep. and then there's recorded and then there's simulated. Right. So live is, I mean, used to be face to face maybe, but live is still phone calls or even if you're using a video conferencing like zoom, you, you can ask to be on those calls and it's probably a little less intrusive than when you're, when you're in the field, you know, sitting in someone's office. Mm -hmm. So, so live is one route. Then you have recorded. And I personally feel anytime that we can record the sales interaction, it is so much easier to coach because now we have game film, you know? So again, you can record a phone call, you can record a zoom meeting. I mean, you have to get permission with the clients, but I don't know if, if you've been seeing this guy, but it seems like more and more people are okay with, if you set it up, why you're going to record it, it seems like a lot of people have been okay with that. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm, I'm the recipient of a lot of, I guess, cold calls, people trying to sell us marketing software and all kinds of, you know, content management stuff. And uh, I had one actually kind of, you know, ask me if they could record it so that they didn't miss anything and, and wanted to make sure that they presented the right solution. And I was absolutely fine with it. And it turned out that we actually wound up using that we, we got that recording because we wanted to make sure we didn't miss anything and that we didn't, oh. get, you know, and, and, and we wound up partnering with this, this group and we found that the sales rep we had was so fabulous that we used that sales rep as an example in our sales training now. So it's, it's, I mean, the recordings are very valuable, both to show exceptional attributes as well as, you know, some improvement areas. And so if you can set it up, in another centered way that the customer doesn't mind you recording, I think it's fabulous. And I, you know, if it's set up right, I don't know why anybody would turn it down. I mean, maybe their yep. company doesn't want it, but, but uh, if you say, you know, I'm going to record this just to make sure I don't miss anything so I can serve you most appropriately. I think people will go for it. Yep. It, it's been, it's been surprising how uh, common that's becoming, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and like I say, I think anytime we can record it from a coaching perspective, now we've got game film. Coaching is so much easier. Um, the other thing I mentioned there is a simulation. And I know a lot of people think, oh, role plays, they're so weird. Yeah. And I am one of those people. I'm not a big role play person, but they really do work, especially if you do this and, you know, you can record it on the Zoom. And it was fascinating to me. This was like, I don't know, five or six years ago, we had a client and I was doing you know, coaching and in-person coaching. And so they had to do their meet, uh, their sales meetings before I got there. And what was happening is they couldn't always get the sales interaction in. So what we said is, Hey, if it's a day before I'm supposed to be there and you haven't had a sales meeting that, you know, is coachable, do a simulation. And, and at first I was like, I wonder how this is going to work, but it worked really well. And the feedback from both the reps and the managers was that the same gap issue that they normally had with customers and clients came out in the simulation. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if you can get yourself past the sort of fakey, you know, yeah. in a lot of cases, when we <laughs> used to do role plays, people would say, well, this is even harder because I know you like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to look foolish in front of somebody I know. And I don't think I look foolish in front of my customers. Well, <laughs> truth be known, you're, you're probably going to do similar things in both scenarios. So why don't we just use this opportunity to to sniff it yep. out and see if there is something. So I think, I think they're, they're fabulous, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, and probably under leveraged because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they just feel clunky. That's right. You know, so it's like, once you get past that initial, this is weird, it can be really, it can be really beneficial. So just, yep. you know, we, we just don't want to discount those because you can always do a simulation, right? There's an absolutely no excuse not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, the other two are probably more desirable with live ammunition uh, to coin a mm-hmm. phrase, but, but if you can't, you can always fall back on a simulation and, and there should be no excuse to not coach because you don't have recorded calls. So I think that's great. So we've talked a little bit about the build trust. We talked about the diagnosis sales prop performance. I know there's one more uh, in this article that you talked about as well. What's that one? That's to develop. And there are three steps within that. You have to align on the targeted gap, one area of improvement, because we can only work on one thing at a time. The second thing is to assign an activity that will, you know, help the employee develop in this area to develop the skill, as opposed to just the, hey, go work on that. You know, what's an activity that's going to move them in that direction? And then finally, it's providing the support and the accountability. Yeah, yeah. I, I love and I love that last part because I think too many times and I've I've you know been in sales leadership roles and had sales leaders working for me and I think you know in our careers we've seen this where you you can either give them just here's five things go work on and no one does anything right that, that's that's, right. that's always a challenge area um, and then is so it's not specific enough and then the second thing is you forget as a leader what you ask them to do. <laughs> Right. That's right. So so you come back together and you're like, well, what what have you been working on? And you don't have a note in front of you and you have no idea what they were working on. And they tell you something and you hope it kind of all washes out. Well, no, I think adding some structure to that and and that accountability on both of you, really, that this is the development of this rep is on both of you. And And you want, you know, it's really owned by the rep, but supported by the manager. And I think this is a great reminder that that accountability kind of goes both ways and make sure we've got a note here that says this is what we're going to talk about. It's one thing and we're going to come back and you will have done these two or three things to, to improve that. So I love that. Yep. It's great. I, it's funny too. I was doing a, a virtual catalyst program this morning and we had this discussion and, and we were kind of talking about, you know, when you're virtual and you're not in the office together, you can't rely on, Oh yeah, we'll just connect sometime next week or, you know, around the coffee pot, whatever it might be. Yeah. So to put it on the calendar and, and to be specific about what's going to be done, who's going to do it, and when is it going to happen, yeah. that gives it some legs. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and actually, um, you know, one of the new things, this epidemic, this, this pandemic that has caused companies like us to think about is what can we do with our products and solutions to help people in this changed world? And one of the things we kind of came up with, which is coming out next week, is you know, you know, Catalyst Dashboard very well, but, you know, it's, it's got a cost and it's designed for enterprises, but what, what isn't designed for enterprises is the Catalyst Core, the, 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 the centerpiece of it, which is just getting yeah. your reps in a system in an organized way. And starting next week, that's going to be available for free. 
to anybody that wants to come in and try it. And, and we just believe that's a way to get it's, you know, yeah, you could keep this in a spreadsheet or you could keep it in a folder. And, and if that works for you, then do it. But if like some structure, like what we can offer is helpful, we just want to get it out there. So people start to learn this and figure out the structure. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. it's just a way to kind of give people something to hang on to during this time and not have it be a crutch, which I think is a good segue to this last article you wrote. If, if you're okay with moving to absolutely this idea, you know, technology is awesome. It's our friend when it works, <laughs> but, <laughs> when it works, <laughs> but, uh, but let's not let it be an excuse. Or if I quote your title directly, don't let technology hijack your virtual coaching goals. I love this, right? So it's not an excuse if you don't have the technology wired to stop coaching. So let's get into that article a little bit and we'll kind of wrap up there. Okay. That sounds good. So you've got, uh, what do you got? A virtual toolkit. Let's talk a little bit through this. That's right. So to me, the technology, it's just, it's one more tool in the toolkit, you know, and I put this in the article, but I love home improvement projects and I specifically love anything that allows me to use a hammer and nails. Yeah. Um, and anytime my husband, and the problem is obviously that doesn't work with everything you're trying to do. So when my husband <laughs> sees me get a hammer, he's like, no, where are you going? <laughs> Let's talk this through. Because yep. um, I've had some colossal failures that way. So we just want to keep in mind, are we using the right tool for the job considering what we're trying to do? And I think that the number one thing we want to keep in mind when we're thinking about this is we need to be, we still need to be present. It is still a conversation between two people. Mm -hmm. Technology cannot get in the way of that. So an example I had is, because I've been doing the virtual coaching actually since about 2010. We had a client, they were dispersed all over the US and traveling, it was just, it was too cumbersome and expensive. And it was interesting because we, we did phone coaching for quite a while and that was great. There was one manager, her name was Carla. And she was fabulous. She's one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. And then we went to the video conferencing and it was odd, Scott, because like we were talking and normally Carla's very introspective. She has great awareness. She, you know, she reflects on her performance. And all of a sudden it was like, I was thinking, what happened to Carla? Cause she just wasn't, you know what I mean? It was, it was, a, it was stilted. Yeah. And so as luck would have it, the, the cameras failed. And so we were just left with a phone. And as soon as the camera went down, Carla came back. Hmm. Yeah. And, and so we, you know, we had our coaching session. And then at the end of it, I'm like, so what'd you think of that? And she's like, I was so relieved when the camera stopped. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So she was camera shy, basically. She yeah. was camera shy. Yeah. And so, well, you know, so I, I think to be aware of how are you feeling in front of the camera and how are they feeling? So so how we, what we came up with, because then, you know, I, I, I'm not going to impose something that's going to get in the way of the coaching. What we decided is we'd use the camera at the beginning where we're kind of like catching up and building rapport and that type of thing. And then, and then in this case, I was observing her coach someone. So, you know, they were kind of side to, you know, the camera was like on their sides. Yeah. And so we left the camera going for that part of it so I could see the interaction. And then when it came time for me to coach Carla, we shut the cameras down and it was just phone yeah. and it, it worked. And then at the end, when we're kind of wrapping up talking about next steps, we brought the cameras back up and it was super powerful, but it was just an example of make sure the technology is meeting what we're trying to do. Yeah. Don't let it rule us. 
I mean, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it, I love how that dovetails back into the uniqueness of the sales rep coach relationship, right? There That's is right. no magic way to manage people other than getting to know them on a human level and understanding their own personal intrinsic motivation, right? Because yep. if you try to manage 10 people the exact same way, you're never going to be an effective coach. That's I was, right. I know you're a huge Chicago Bills fan, but I'll, I'll, I'll take you to a different sport. You remember Bill Parcells of the Giants back in the, Oh, yeah. yeah. He beat us a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, As a Bears his, fan. His fa- <laughs> yeah, exactly. His favorite, famous line was, you treat Lawrence Taylor differently than everybody else. And he said, look, yeah. I'm not interested in being fair. I'm interested in being right. And, you know, what he meant by that, if I read between the tea leaves, read the tea leaves, is he, you know, Lawrence was different and you couldn't manage him with the same rules and regulations. And, you know, you had to let that guy sort of be who he was with some guardrails, mm-hmm. but not stringent, you know, rules and laws that, that the rest of the team was held to. And by the way, he got the most out of Lawrence Taylor, even though that guy had major, you know, off field problems, right? He was more That's interested right. in being right about the individual players and not interested in being fair, which I think is interesting when you think of it in this context of sales coaching, you're, you're going to have those independents. Like I used to reference a guy that at Schneider that (laughs) you could not coach him to save his life, to save either of your lives, but he would, he would perform all day long. He did not need coaching, did not want it. He was an independent. Mm -hmm. Just, just let him go. Like don't, don't make him do stuff that's unnatural. But other people on the team, yeah, you, you, you've got to manage a little bit tighter. And so I think trying to, the one-size-fits-all coaching approach is never really going to function. Never going to function. And the, uh, so I am a big fan. There's a great book. I don't know if you've read it, 11 Rings by Phil Jackson. I've not read it, no. Mm-mm. Oh, talk about one size does not fit all because he talks about all 11 championships that, that you know, he won. And he was talking about the difference between coaching and motivating someone like a Michael Jordan who didn't yep. needed no motivation. Right. And then when he went to the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq and he's like, he said, I had, he goes, I realized very quickly what had worked in Chicago was not going to work in LA. So it's a fabulous read on, on tailoring your approach and also just what he did to motivate um, the different players. And like Kobe needed different motivation than what Shaq needed. It was it is a brilliant book. Highly recommend that book on the topic. That sounds really good. I'm not a huge Bulls or Lakers fan, but I do love learning about coaching from uh, yeah. people that have effectively done it. So I may have to pick that one up. That sounds, that's got to go on our next, actually, was that on our list of um, uh, what you we're know, reading? might have been. I think I did put it in there actually. Yeah. So you guys can, you guys can always go check our blog about what we're reading because People like Bobby read really cool books and uh, you might want to check them out. So, well, great, Bobby, this has been absolutely fabulous. Any, any other parting uh, pearls of wisdom for the group before we, uh, we let them go this week? Yeah, I think that it's, it's just important to remember that right now with all the uncertainty and new skill sets that people are trying to develop, they really need the coaching and support more than ever. And so just don't allow the, it's, it's, it's maybe outside of our comfort zone to coach virtually and do the observations virtually, but don't let that become a barrier to providing the coaching. Cause, cause again, when uncertainty is high, coaching is even more important. It's so, I mean, it's so great to hear because I mean, even this podcast, we, we talk about 
helping those who sell for a living and helping those who help those who sell for a living. And I've often referred to myself as the marriage counselor between sales rep and sales <laughs> manager. And I, and I do feel like since I teach marriage class on the side for my church with my wife, um, that we have some of that sort of, I don't know, what do you call those psychiatrist type traits, <laughs> you know, that we can listen to other people's problems and help them solve them. And, you know, I think just by talking about this, maybe if sales reps and sales coaches are listening to this podcast, they're, they're learning that this should be a, a really important relationship in their life and their career um, mm -hmm. that together you guys can do some amazing things and hopefully listening to folks like Bobby who have made a career out of helping coaches get better, uh, that we're, we're just helping. And that's what we try to do. We have a, we have that in our DNA and we love doing it. So, uh, great. Bobby, thanks so much for joining. I had a blast. I love the stories and I love the, keep writing, keep writing for us, keep writing for yourself. It's great to get this stuff out there. And, uh, for the rest of you, you know, if you like the podcast, share it. If you uh, feel so inclined, subscribe to it and uh, help us get it out there. We love doing it and uh, we love sharing a beer with you every week. So uh, keep it going. We'll see you on another week of Ales with Aslan. Mm -hmm.